we are continuing our three-week teaching series called Light in the Darkness. We're having some uh, fun Christmas events. Doesn't our uh, decor, doesn't the creative team do such an incredible job here throughout the facility? And we really feel like we have a lot to celebrate. And I'm going to assume that you have somewhat of a familiarity with the story of Christmas, where as Christians, we celebrate that Jesus was born into the world and that he was the hope of humanity, that he would live 30 years and then three years of active ministry and eventually give his life, crucified, executed on a cross as an atoning sacrifice for our sin, our wrongdoing, so that anybody, I mean anybody, no matter how far you are from God because of his eternal sacrifice, that you could draw near to a perfect God, that you could experience salvation, live with him eternally in the new heaven and new earth and experience God at work in you today. And we talked last week about the gospel of John's Christmas story is very different than Luke and Matthew. And Luke and Matthew, you get the details that we're all familiar with about how Jesus was born and the storyline that went with it. But in John, you get this like really high level, uh, you know, tons of hundreds, thousands of years of human history leading up to the particular moment that Jesus is born into the world. So I'm going to invite you to turn to the gospel of John And we've covered the first five verses last week. We're going to start in verse six this morning. As you're turning to John chapter one, a little background again. The disciple John uh, writes this. uh, One of the last, uh, the latest gospel we had written probably around the 90s AD. It is a very simplistic form of Greek in which it was written because John was not an educated person. And the, the stories we get from Jesus are a little more detailed than we get in other books of the Bible. And he begins the book going all the way back to creation. Remember last week, he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. The word was with God in the beginning. It's where the uh, church historian Origen, the theologian in the early third century, came up with the phrase, eternally begotten son. Anybody that grew up Catholic or know the early creeds of the church, that eternally begotten son phrase uh, largely comes from passages like John chapter one. There was not a time he was not. The Trinity had always existed. And when we get into this passage today, we go from talking about how Jesus is the light in the darkness to finally demonstrating the buildup to this moment in time where Jesus would be born and he wouldn't be received. And that the life of a follower of Jesus, if we're trying to exemplify the way he lived, is not always easy. It comes with obstacles and sacrifice. And sometimes there is, I love John because he has all this buildup to the, the, finally the birth occurs. He goes all the way back to the creation of the world itself. Anybody be experiencing like a long story this year of buildup after a whole lot of hardship and you're wondering, God, when are you going to come through? I, I identify with you and we all need to be praying because after 30 years of not having a national championship, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish are, are playing the Clemson Tigers next weekend. National title implications on the line. And finally, the Lord's team is going to break through. Anybody with me? Did I get some booze? <laughs> We're going to pray for this section. That's why you're by the prayer room over there. Just kidding. But, uh, you know, regardless of your sports team, you, we as humans, we love the buildup of a story, right? Whether it's in sports this big climactic moment after all this sacrifice and hardship, and finally they break through with the win. Or or maybe it's movies, you know, the great buildup. You can't have Avengers Endgame without Infinity War, right? There were struggles that they had to go through along the way. Any great novel 
or book has this buildup to this climactic moment. What, what John does a great job is demonstrating through the, the birth of Jesus, the storyline that this is building up throughout human history. Acknowledging that the evil and sin in the world since the rebellion of humankind, beginning all the way back with Adam and Eve, that that rebellion has resulted in this analogy he's using of darkness. You know what darkness looks like today? Saying mean things behind people's backs, gossiping, hurting people, judging them, being self-righteous, committing lustful actions, the temptations of the enemy that gets us to live in a way that is contrary to God's best in our life. And the result of that darkness is a lack of hope for humanity. And a lot of people in our culture, they have been experiencing that. What I love about the gospel of John is this analogy of light in the darkness that we looked at last week. Jesus is the light. It's only through him that we can bring light to this dark world because of his atoning sacrifice. Anybody, no matter where you've been or what you've done, can draw near to a perfect God. But see, this week, what I want to focus then on is after that, the calling to the life of a Christian, if we're going to follow in Jesus' ways, if we're going to follow other humans like the John the Baptist that we'll see here, It takes a great level of commitment and devotion even when people don't receive what we're doing in the world. And ultimately, that we get to share in the inheritance of God. That's what I wanna show you very quickly here. Are you ready to study God's word together, church? Come on now. It says uh, this beginning in verse six. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. It's not talking about the disciple John. It's John the Baptist. The buildup, lasts for, you know, all throughout human history to this particular moment in time. And then Jesus gets his own opening band before the headliner comes out. John the Baptist, it says, paves the way for all of Jesus' ministry. He fulfills the role of Elijah, the Old Testament prophetic uh, messianic uh, verses that we were waiting on. And that really, John the Baptist does what many of us, if we're going to follow Jesus and pave the way for God, the light in the world, to make an impact in our community, to help people who are in need, to give them spiritual hope, both eternally and now, to care about their mental, physical, and emotional well-being. If we're going to do each of those things, it takes him shining uh, through us. And it says in verse 7, John the Baptist, he gives us an example of this. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. Again, talking about Jesus is the light. So that through him, all might believe. He himself was not the light. John wasn't the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. It's going to talk about that even those he came for did not receive Jesus fully. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you're not just a son or daughter of your biological father or mother, that you are actually a son or a daughter of the living God, that you share in the inheritance of Christ Jesus himself, the power and the authority with the spirit of God at your back. Verse 13, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. In the short time that we have together, we're just gonna break these few verses down, highlight some other passages in scripture that get us a little deeper on these things. 
But the big idea is that Jesus is the light in the darkness, like we talked about last week, but he also invites us to share in his power. That you, even though you feel like you're not good enough, you'll never be one of those good Christians that go to church every week and read your Bible and pray and you're working on those things, I wanna tell you that the devotion that you have for Christ, as we'll see here in a moment, will directly correlate to the impact God could make in your life. That he could use you the one time when culture is on our side, well, one of two times, Christmas and Easter, to make an impact in someone's life who desperately needs it. That's what I want to discuss together. Will you pray with me? God, oh man, I just have a feeling at this particular service, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, which we acknowledge right now, can make an impact in many people's lives and that there are many of us who have been experiencing a lack of hope and desperation. We've experienced the darkness lately. God, as we come near to you this morning, may we experience your light and may we become light givers who allow you to shine in us and through us out of obedience. We love you, Jesus. We give you this morning. We pray this in your name and all God's family said, amen. Amen. You know, I think sometimes we focus so much on the bad things happening in the world, sometimes we miss out on the really cool, amazing things that are happening. You know, you may not realize this, but because of your generosity, we have been able to make an impact this year that we never would have thought possible. And I'll get into some of the details a little bit later. But we've given away tens of thousands of dollars of food to people in need. We've helped people in the middle of tragedies in which they've been going through. We, we even, just this week, I was on Facebook and all of a sudden I see this live feed pop up that Pastor Shalanda, our children's pastor, went and baptized uh, a mom and two of her sons uh, in their own home. And that we have baptized more people in this year in the history of our church than ever before. That in the middle of a global pandemic, we have seen more people come to Christ and be baptized than the eight years previously. I... You know, I like to, to celebrate that God is still living and active and moving today, and sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we miss when people in our church who have gone through hardship this year in the middle of the crazy dark times that we live in, in a variety of ways, physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, struggling, whatever it is, people in our church family have prayed for them, reached out to them, given meals to them, helped them in financial ways, they have sacrificed so that the family of God might experience the love of Christ, the light in the darkness. And so when I'm talking about these things this morning, I believe it really matters. That when he says, as we'll end with this morning, that we share as a child of God and we get to share in the inheritance of the family of God, it's meaningful during years like this. And for those attending online, or maybe you're here today and you don't actually have a church home, I wanna tell you, I don't care whether Mercy Road is your church home or not, but having a church home is incredibly important because you're missing out on the family of God when you need it most. And that can be done online, that can be done in person, that can be done in our rooted groups and our outposts and our discipleship huddles. And I need to move on, but I get excited about this because you don't realize this church after nine years, there are more people worshiping in the Multiply Indiana churches today that we helped start than in this church, Carmel location. There are, and 
Beyond that, there are more people worshiping in the Mercy Road family of churches than there are here at the Carmel location, and we had to set some socially distant chairs up here this morning. And it's not because of great strategy. It's because of God is real and he is the great light giver and there have been normal average everyday human beings who have had such great submission and devotion to the cause of Christ that they've actually been used by him to make an impact. I can remember when there was 12 people in our home four minutes east of here in a small house here in Carmel and that was the church. I can remember when it was a prayer. I can remember the first five outposts we started. I can remember when we were a small worship gathering at Clay Middle School in Carmel. I can remember in, you know, all every step of the way over the last nine years the dedication and sacrifice of many people it takes. You may not realize this. There were people this morning who got up and they were here at like 7 a.m. or some of you 7.30 a.m. And you know, I saw Mike and Chris were out there at 7.30 or something with masks on, setting up all of our signage and flags in the freezing cold in the middle of wintertime because they just want one more person to come to Christ. And when you pull up your car, they want you to have a good experience so that you would know we care about you because you were created by God and you matter to him. So I need to keep going, but I'm getting really excited this morning because I feel like somebody needs to hear that you matter to God and so you matter to us. And when you get into this passage, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, what we're really saying is for the prayer warriors getting up early to pray for people, for the Bible teachers studying God's word accurately, for the sacrificial official givers financially, for the tireless volunteers in our church, to the rooted leaders and the outpost leaders and the huddle leaders in the middle of a global pandemic and the chaos of an election year and all this stuff, your sacrifice is seen and heard and experienced. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, the reason that we've seen such a kingdom impact is because that it's not just Colts fans who have crazy devotion. <laughs> Even though they're going to the playoffs this year, Philip Rivers is taking us there, baby. We're going to win something. I don't know what we're going to win, but we're going to win it. <laughs> that we have had crazy people in our church, staff, volunteers, and leadership with that same level of devotion <laughs> in our church family. That was a real thing we did. Anybody remember that teaching series? Eric, looking like Abraham there. Um, I, I want to tell you that the level of devotion that followers of Jesus have matters. So here's what I want to tell you. I want to share through re-looking at this passage how you could experience the light of Christ and be a light in the darkness to allow God to shine through. And I'm going to spend most of the time on the first point because I think it's the hardest one. And you're not going to like it. I don't even like preaching it. But I think it's that important. How to be a light in the darkness, number one, you need to be a martyr for Christ. Do you know what the word martyr means? I'm assuming you do, but you know, I, I Googled it. Dictionary.com says that a martyr is someone willing to die for the religious beliefs. I, I think you could be a martyr for any of your beliefs, but dictionary.com at least made the affiliation with religion. For a follower of Jesus, it's a level of devotion that you're willing to live as Christ did, that you'd be willing to give your very life for the mission of Jesus in, your, in the world. You're like, Josh, that's, whew, that's just trying to come to a church. That was it. You know? <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Well, that's fine. Be honest about it. You may not be ready. But I want you to understand, when I first became a Christian, I always heard about the good news of Jesus. I get to go to heaven when I die. I get to have God at work in my life now. It brings hope in the world. And all of that is true, 100% true. In your time of lack of comfort, he's your comforter. 
When you have no peace, he's the prince of peace. When you don't have wise counselor, he's your wonderful counselor, right? Like he supplies all those things. But the other side of that coin is that you also have to then be willing to be obedient, to lay your life down to what he's asking you to do. If you wanna be used by God, be clear, we're not talking about salvation. You don't earn your salvation through your obedience. What we're talking about, if you wanna be a light in the darkness, you wanna be used by God, you have to be willing to be obedient. Look, look at verse six with me in John one. There was a man sent from God whose name was John again. He came as a what? A witness. So I think, you know, I always love John the Baptist because here's this guy who's not God incarnate. And he's gonna be used by God the way, to pave the way for Jesus' ministry, which really in some ways is what we're supposed to do as Christians today. And it says there he came as a witness to testify. Anybody know what the Greek word in there, this wasn't written in English originally, it was written in Koine Greek, and anybody know what the word for witness is in the New Testament? It's the word martyr. That's where we get the word from. It's a Greek word, and witness means martyr. That's, that's literally what it is. So it says that John the Baptist came to be a martyr. Then get this, he doesn't stop there, to testify concerning that light. Who's the light? Jesus John came to be a martyr to testify. Anybody know what the root word of the verb to testify is there in Greek? Also martyr. So he gives us the noun and the verb for you English scholars out there to be a martyr. That literally he came as a martyr to be martyring for the light. (laughs) That was what John the Baptist came to do. If you want to follow, by the way, it wasn't just John the Baptist. We serve a savior himself who gave his life as a ransom for many. That was his whole task. He could have stopped it at any moment, but he chose to lay down his life out of love for others. Verse eight, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness, a martyr to the light. He is a martyr so that people might know Christ and that the follower of Jesus lives with a level of devotion like that. To be a witness for Christ means you're a martyr for him. But doesn't that mean that sometimes you might get taken advantage of? I was talking to my mentor in California this week on the phone and we were talking about how one of the hard things in our culture often is that we think that once we are Christian, that we're never gonna have hardship to endure and that we just are going to, uh, you know, everything's gonna be roses from now on. And, And the truth is that if you're following Jesus, there is going to be tribulations and hardships and trials. It's the life of a martyr. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Think about Matthew chapter five for me, with just a second. Jesus says these words in verse 38. You've heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. That doesn't seem like what we do. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now look, I wanna make absolutely abundantly clear What God is not saying in this passage is to allow abuse in your life. The difference is, is choice. John the Baptist, 
Jesus, they chose this path as a means of loving this person, that they put God first, others second, themselves third. That was the heart behind it, not because somebody evil was doing something evil to them and they wanted to stop it, but they couldn't. That's very different, okay? So we're all tracking. But following Jesus means that there will be moments where you're going to sacrifice for other people. I've got the statement I'm gonna put up there. I really believe this. Our level of commitment to the cause of Christ does not earn us salvation, but will have a direct correlation to how much we see Christ at work in our lives. I see people all the time who are like, man, I really want to find freedom in this area of sin. Man, I really want to help this person in need. Man, I really want to tell people about Jesus. Man, I really want to make this impact. But when the rubber meets the road to have the devotion and to sacrifice for those things, we shirk back as if that couldn't be of God. Look, we're heading into one of the two times during the entire year where culture is on our side to tell people about the good news of Jesus that we believe is eternal salvation, that the Holy Spirit of God can be with us, that it's a light in the darkness, that they could have hope in a dark world. It's really, really, really good news. But if we don't have the willingness to speak up, not out of self-righteousness, not out of condemnation, those aren't the ways of Christ, but out of love and compassion for those in our family, who will? If we don't sacrifice for the movement of Jesus today in our world. It won't happen. All of those churches that are meeting today, worshiping God, it's come because you all sacrifice to make it happen. And it's not a pat on the back for us as human beings. It's saying, well done, good and faithful servant, because God got to use you now to make an impact. I, I, you know, it's some really cool news. So I think about some of you have taught me how to do this. We've been trying to, over the last three years, we started this compassion campaign to raise $3 million and give it all away to start these churches. We were asking everybody at Carmel to do this and you gained nothing from it. We didn't get a nicer building. Your kids didn't get a nicer kids experience. You didn't get any of the things that a lot of times in American Christianity we care about. Instead, we gave it away to start churches to reach new people for Christ. Did you know that 35 of those baptisms happened at Northwest this year? Did you know that uh, seven people got baptized just in the month of October in like their first full month at Northeast? We've had baptisms at all the locations. God is on the move like never before because it's not built around a human being, but the light in the dark world. And so I want to tell you today that our job of sacrificing, being committed to the cause of Christ, think of Luke chapter nine, verse 23. I'm just going to read this verse. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. Part of following Jesus and being a martyr, a witness for Christ is laying down your life for the cause of other people. But I find in our marriages, in our parenting, with the in-laws, we usually don't work that way, do we? <laughs> it usually looks more like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus says the opposite. He says, turn the other cheek. He says, lay your life down for other people. Pick up your cross daily and follow him. That's what a martyr does. That's what a follower does. I told you guys wouldn't like this first point, didn't I? I warned you ahead of time. And what I want to share with you today, uh, you know, we put the graphic up of that compassion campaign. We have a goal of this last year 
um, of raising the final million dollars and 400,000 from the family of churches by the end of this, this year that we want to raise 200,000 of that from the Carmel location here and uh, to give to help start both the Madison County location and continue to fund the Northeast location that's just killing it. And I can't share the news yet, but there's some really big things happening with Madison County and a potential place in Anderson. So pray for that with me. And I, and I, I don't want to share it and then it doesn't happen, but like we hope to be sharing some big news in the next couple of months about that very thing. And, and your sacrifice is leading to that. And by the way, of that 400,000, we've already raised uh, 50,000. We've had another $10,000 grant that's been given and we're waiting for it to be matched. When it's matched, it'll be 70,000. Most of that has come from the Carmel location so far. In fact, I, I gotta share the story and I can't give you the details because we protect things, um, you, know, you know, give anonymity. But there was a family that went through something really hard this year. I mean, devastating. And we got to walk alongside them and help them through that. And before we announced the last $10,000 grant, they had said like, they felt like the Lord had been telling them to do something big and they did something big to help contribute to that. And it just blew me away. How somebody who had been through what they had been through this year would be willing to do something like that. But that's what sacrificial generosity looks like when you've experienced the love of the family of God, you want other people to experience it. And so look, uh, all of that, we're not gonna benefit from any of that. My salary won't get paid a dime of that. So I'm not sharing, this actually hurts me to share this because it's resources that could have been put into this church. Instead, we're spending people out to plant new churches to reach new people for Christ in places where people may not get to hear the good news of Jesus if we don't do it. And so that's why I get fired up about the level of devotion that we do because it matters, it matters. The problem is, uh, we're all human and we falter and we have doubts and we have fears and we question. You know who did something like that? Thomas. You know the disciple of Thomas because he you know, doubted. He was doubting Thomas. He didn't believe that Jesus had risen from the grave. But did you know, it won't be on your screen, but in John chapter 11 and verse 16, he actually tells us that he's the one telling the disciples they should go fight with Jesus and be willing to die for him. Thomas was totally loyal in chapter 11. And just a few chapters later, he's scared to death and doubting the Lord. That's part of the human condition. Do you know the word uh, Thomas means uh, Didymus, which is either he had a twin or he was two-faced, that there was this tension in his life of laying his life down as a ransom for many, as a sacrifice, devotion, a commitment to the cause of Christ, a martyr, and then the fear of what that might mean to his life if he does. He'll eventually get it right, though. He'll go on to spread the gospel to the nation of India, Christian tradition at least teaches, and be a martyr, losing his life for the cause of Christ there in India, bringing the gospel for the first time to that place. Because the reality is, number two, that you're not just called to be a martyr. It means you're called to be a martyr even when it's not received. That's the hard part. Because look at the life of Jesus. Look what happened in the couple of verses in John 1 later, verse 9, the true light, talking about Jesus, that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world and was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. In other passages like John 18, he talks about there's going to be this, this strife with the world. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. And there's going to be this temptation to fall prey to the fears of what it might mean to surrender our life in a way to begin to live differently. 
give you some specific examples. You're like, well, if I surrender my marriage, what if I don't get what I want out of it? What if she, what if he doesn't? If, if I surrender my dating life to you, what if God does not give me the results I'm desiring? If, if I give up drinking alcohol on a regular basis, I'm going to go through these hardships. And what if things don't get better, they get worse? The enemy loves to use these little tactics to get in us. And that's why we're in the middle of a spiritual war here in our world where we're in the world, but not of the world because the world doesn't always receive the things of God and what's happening. It lives in fear. It lives in anxiety. It lives in worry. And I want to tell you, if you're experiencing those, I don't think you're an awful sinner or anything like that. You're human. But what we do, as we said last week, with those feelings matters. We should turn to God rather than away from him. Being a light today out of compassion, love, and mercy instead of anger, self-righteousness, and animosity matters. Living this out, even if it's not always received, matters because I've seen people who I thought were always going to be a certain way, and after years of praying and investing, they came around. And, And I really think in American church culture sometimes, we can turn church into like a celebrity thing where there's like certain anointed people of God and there's others that aren't. And I want to tell you, there is one anointing and it comes from the Holy Spirit of God. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you believe and receive it, he lives in you and in your life, that you have the power and the authority of almighty God in your corner and don't dull it down and think you can't make an impact this Christmas. That's why my third and final point from John chapter one is this, that then after you are a martyr, even when it's not received, you do have to receive your inheritance of being a child of the Almighty God. A child of the Almighty God. See, verses 12 and 13, John goes on and he says, yet to all who did receive him, those in the room who you've given your life to Christ, you're a follower of Jesus. To those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The, the letter to the Roman church says that we can call him Abba, which is the word daddy. You can call him daddy. You have that type of relationship with him. Your biological father may not have been the best example for you, but your almighty father in heaven is without sin. He is perfect in every way. And that almighty God, you get to call him father, daddy, that you are a child of the king. Verse 13, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And I just want to highlight why this matters. There's this cool story in Mark chapter five, verse 38, where there's this synagogue leader, Jairus, who is wanting his daughter has died and he comes to Jesus Look what, look what happens here. Verse 38, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, took that doubt and that fear away of those who were thinking not as a child of the king. After they put them out, It says, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kuom, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely 
astonished. What I want to share with you is, could you imagine being on the outside of that door? Hearing what was happening inside and seeing this 12-year-old girl that you loved walk out of there. Being Jairus' daughter, being the synagogue leader's child, had no power and authority to change the hardship in her life and resurrect her life. It was only that she was a child of Almighty God, only because the Son of God himself worked in him, that the Holy Spirit healed her in that morning. We don't always get God to answer our prayers the way we desire, this side of heaven. But what I wanna tell you this morning is that the power of God that could resurrect a 12-year-old girl resides in you if you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe to receive the grace and forgiveness of Christ, if you have fully devoted your life to Jesus, and the level of devotion and sacrifice that you place in your life is how much God is gonna be able to shine through because you had the humility to make this life not about you, but about him and his mission. And I want to tell, I'd say that as someone who has lost a child and prayed for that child, but I want to tell you that the power and the authority of God worked in my life despite not answering the prayers the way I wanted them to be answered. We saw people receive Christ for the first time over and over again. And this level of sacrifice and submission happened because we had no choice but to live it out because we were in such pain when we started the church. And I want to tell you this morning, if you have walked in here and you're experiencing that pain this year, you've only known the evil and the darkness, I want to tell you that the light of Jesus is real. The peace that surpasses our understanding is real. And if you are a follower of Jesus, do not underestimate the inheritance it means to share in the family of God. You think that you're just some broken human being who could never make much of an impact in your life. And the enemy's going to keep you under his foot for the rest of your life with that kind of thinking. He says he has empowered you with the same Holy Spirit that, that raises people from the grave resides in you. And you're not just a child, a son or a daughter of your biological mother or father. You're a child of the King Almighty and sharing into his family, his inheritance. He'd been waiting since the beginning of time for the moment to come into the world and to be born, to be crucified so that the Holy Spirit could be given to those who know him so that you, even though there is still darkness this side of heaven, you could bring light today by having the humility to lay your life down for the ransom of many, by being a martyr even when it's not received and receiving the power and authority and the might of almighty God in your corner. And we need some resurrected Christians that aren't living wimpy lives, but are truly born again spiritually, believing that God could use you to reach those people that you think will never come to know Jesus. You know they're so far from God, it will never happen. And it won't unless we go to the light giver, the one who brings light in the darkness, and we submit to him, and we pray, and we're obedient to what he's calling to do. And then I'm telling you guys, we have seen it time and time again, lives changed over and over and over again, joining the family of God, because there's something powerful about the family of God during dark times. And we've experienced that this year. We respond with me in prayer. God, I, I thank you. I thank you for each person that came out this morning and those attending online right now. I believe probably you're speaking to somebody online right now. You, you don't have to be in this building to allow scripture to transform you. I don't know who he's talking to this morning, but online or here in this room, if you have never received the forgiveness of Christ, 
If you have never repented of your sin and devoted your life to him, you are missing out, not just on the salvation, but how you could be used in this lifetime to make an impact. And some of us in this room, we've been doing the consumerist Christian thing for a very long time. Coming to church on Christmas and Easter and attending these occasional things, but never devoting our lives to him. And we may have salvation, but we've never really been used by you, God. So in both parties this morning, we have a, a lack of being willing to submit to you. And so if that's you here in the room or online, whether for the first time or to just fully commit your actions to the Lord, I invite you to pray this prayer of repentance and devotion with me. Pray this with me. God, forgive me for doing life without you. Forgive me for doing it on my own. I repent of it. I'm not gonna be perfect, but I'm gonna surrender everything in my life to you, God. And I pray that I would have the humility to let you shine through me. Use me as a vessel. Then pray this. On this morning, this Sunday, I surrender my life to your Lordship, Jesus, fully. Use me this Christmas to bring the hope, the light of the world to others. We love you, Jesus. We give you this morning. We pray this in your name and all God's family said, amen.